I'm back, it's Randy Ron. I'm in front of the world famous Orlando Hard Rock Cafe. Everybody, I'm back, Randy Ron, the Randy Ron Show here Great to see you. I listen to you all the time. You're great. Best podcaster I Welcome everybody. Oh, hold on, man. I got the wrong guy in the wrong place here. So uh, <laughs> just figure it out. I did figure it out. All right, hold on a minute here. Oh dear. <laughs> did we lose Ron? We've lost Ron. Oh, well, I, I guess I'll I'll bring us in. Oh, see, it's, it's on you, Steve. Back. Um, so welcome everybody. This is the ranting cast with ranting Ron. I am not Ron. Um, I'm Steve um, on the Warpath on Twitter. Um, hopefully Ron will be back joining us shortly. Um, we do have our guest this evening. Um, John also Ron. not Ron. Also not, not Ron. Ron. <laughs> um, it's Waro, right? What rhymes with sorrow? All right. John Warrow from the Associated Press. Um, you just got back from covering the Olympics in Beijing not too long ago, correct? Feels like a month ago based on the jet lag. But, yes, uh, actually it's been uh, – I think I've been back since uh, for about 10 days now almost. Wow. So um, was this your – not as familiar with your background on it as Ron. Um, is this your first Olympics you covered or – no, um, yeah, no. This is actually my second. Uh, I did the Vancouver Games in 2010, but as um, as a good buddy of mine, Tim Graham says uh, that one didn't count because it was on the continent. So I actually got to go. Uh oh, here's here's Ron is back. Is Ron, Ron back? is back. Ron, Ron, Steve's handling the show. Okay, All so right. it's like we're good. I'll be back. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Oh, keep going. Awesome. Again. No, all, right. all good. <laughs> no, I got this figured out. I unplugged the wrong feed before. There we go. No, I'm there. We go. Okay. No, it, um, but uh, this oh. is like the first time that you know this is my second Olympics, and um, and there were I, I I kind of traveled to China. It didn't feel like I was in China because we were in such a restrained bubble um, that we're limited to our hotel. The venues, other media hotels, and the main press centers. So we were kind of captive audiences and being able to see China from outside our, our, our shuttle bus windows or outside of our hotel room. So that was essentially it. But yeah, um, I just got back. I spent three weeks there. It took me 46 and a half hours to get back, and it was good to be home. And look, I wore this jersey from 1980, baby, just for you when the miracle on ice happened. Steve's having a problem with this jersey because the back says 99. And I was wearing 99 since like 77 playing hockey. And when the Team USA won the gold medal versus the Russians, my grandmother got me this jersey with my name on the back, last name and stuff. So there's no such thing as a jersey foul back in the early 80s because we didn't have social media to pick on each other like this. now so, wait, okay. Now wait a sec, Ron, because you you said this was in, this wasn't Gretzky's number, but okay, it's a USA jersey. But I don't think Wolf Paymont was an American. No, he would play for <laughs> Toronto though, and he wore ninety nine. Right. I like Toronto. I grew up a Leaf fan. I get that, but it's a USA jersey. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got my favorite name, my own. My favorite country, my own. <laughs> it's got my favorite number. I went, I also like Mark Gastineau. I mean, I, you know, but uh, yeah. So and I wanted to party like it was 1999 my entire life. So that's, you know, where I'm at. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now that we've got that straight. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, who was your team growing up, John? Uh, it, you, it used to be the Leafs because my dad was a big Leafs fan back in the uh, the late, well, I mean, I grew up in, uh, I was born in 63, grew up in Toronto, and my dad being a Leafs fan, I was a big Ronnie Ellis, you know, Ronnie Ellis fan when Paul Henderson scored the winning goal in 72. That was a big deal, but 
Um, now, Steve, but, you know what he's talking about? What the goal he's talking about in '72? Do you know, Steve? Well, the Canada Cup. Canada Cup. Is it the Canada? Well, it wasn't the Canada Cup then. That was that was the Summit Series. That Summit. was Russia. Uh, was, yeah. that, was that the Henderson goal? That yeah. was the Henderson goal. Yeah. And uh, but it, I mean, essentially, um, we we eventually moved to Windsor and. It wasn't until I got back to school in Toronto when uh, I saw a lot of friends of mine were, were were Leaf fans, and this is in the early '80s when during the Harold Ballard years. And I, I mean, Toronto was bad. Detroit, the Red Wings weren't much better then. But I decided to be a contrarian, and I decided to switch allegiances and becoming a Red Wings fan. And um, I'm no longer a fan of really a fan of of, of teams now that I'm in the business, but. You know, it was nice to know that I picked a team that actually won a Stanley Cup before the Leafs ever got to a Stanley Cup final. So I think I'm good there. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. So, wow, that's all. Yeah. Like I mean, the Sabres have made the Stanley Cup finals more often than the Leafs have. What was that? The Sabres have made the Stanley Cup finals more often than the Leafs had since they last won the since the Leafs last right. won the Cup. That's true. Since, since there were six teams and the odds were a plus five hundred to win the Cup or something, I'm sure that's what the odds were back then. You, you mean like minus or whatever it would be at the time, right? Sure. But uh, right, but then then '68 everyone joined, and so you know, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I said my dad was born up in in uh, uh, South Porcupine, uh, way up there, Timmins, Ontario. So. Way up there, Avril Levine. Is that yeah. where she's from? Uh, I don't know, but I know, uh, Sinead, uh what's her name? Um, oh, no, sorry, you're right. It's yeah. um, the country, country singer. singer, the country singer. Oh, Steve, the country singer, Shania Twain. Shania Twain, oh, yes. yeah, I almost said it, I almost said, it, but I was thinking Shane O'Connor, but you know, Shane O'Connor's I listen to her on the radio. I, 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 I just found on. out. Recently, the Avril Levine actually has an elite prospects page. So, so does um, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I don't elite prospects that that that. Yeah, the, the prospects website. They both played um, college hockey. So they get to be elite prospects. Oh, then I'm probably on there. Oh, I didn't. I didn't play college hockey. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I I played roller hockey for thirty years. So you know. So, so John, you where were you born, John? I was born in Toronto and uh, grew up in Windsor, Ontario. Okay, and you live here now in Buffalo. Yes, yes, okay. I am. Been, been here actually. It was uh, my our twenties. My wife and I's twenty second anniversary of arriving in Buffalo in just past well, February 29th, two thousand. Oh, nice. Well, congrats. So that's now from Canada here. Okay. And then, all right, now you work for the Associated Press. So you got sent overseas to Beijing, China. I don't know if you had any of the concerns that a lot of the player, like the NHL players, didn't go because if they did go and any reason they would have contracted COVID, they would have been stuck there for like another month. You know, so you're there. I personally liked it better that the NHL players weren't there, probably because of 1980. I like the kids going and stuff. You were covering women's hockey. So what was the experience like being in China, watching it over there? Um, I know Steve asked you if you've been to the Olympics before, so I missed the answer on that. But, yeah, tell us about the experience you had. Well, the experience was like, I mean, it's – they're long days, but they're they're satisfying in the sense that you know you're, you know, you're at the Olympics and you're covering essentially, you know, a premier event. Now, mind you, you also know that the time difference is pretty bad and you don't know how many people are watching back home because it was 13 hours. I mean, I was covering games at – the U.S. U.S. Men, w- women were playing at nine o'clock in Beijing, but it was oh man, it was nine p.m. in Beijing, and it was eight o'clock here in the states, Eastern time. So you didn't know how many uh, how many people were watching, but it was important to be covering these games. Um, I, I, it, it's always it, it's always an assignment that you covet as a sports writer. Um, in some ways, I mean. I could. I, I was going to pass up the Bills' chance of going to a Super Bowl to go to Beijing because I think covering the Olympics is uh, a, a step above what the Super Bowl is because of the international flavor of of of, of being uh, of being there and covering the Olympics. So, yeah, it, it's it's. But the only surreal thing about it was you really couldn't get to see China all that much aside from outside your hotel window or outside the shuttle bus, you saw glimpses of it, but you couldn't experience it until 
we actually got on a media tour that the that the Olympic Committee, I believe it was, that organized that took us to the Great Wall. And it wasn't until we got to the Great Wall where he felt like we were actually in China. And that was the second to last day of the trip. But um, I thought they tore that wall down. I thought Reagan took oh wrong wall, my bad. No, wrong, no, that's that's not that. <laughs> but that's but yeah, so I mean, um it, it, it was a blur. I was there for three weeks. It felt like two months almost. And now it feels like I've been gone for, you know, two years already because so much time has passed in between. But um, it, it was quite the experience. I got to see what could well go down as being one of the best women's hockey teams ever assembled win the gold medal in Canada beating the U.S., and I'm not I'm not trying to be biased here because I'm Canadian, but you saw glimpses of how good this team could be. And um, I was impressed of how the Americans actually closed it and made it a three to two game in, in the gold medal game because I had the Canadians winning by four goals based on how much depth of offense that they had. Um, it was closer than it, it should have been, I think. Um, and it, it was actually a three to one game because um, um, Oh, the goal was scored with like twelve seconds left to, to cut to cut the lead to one. So, but they're usually close though. In, in usually they're really close oh, yes. in Canada. So, what was the difference this time? Was it just the Canadians just had the were too many women Americans retiring for the different? What was why did you expect a big win? Well, because because the Canadians had a lot more offense. The way they were playing the game was almost a, a, was I guess if you want to look at it one way. Um, it would be like when colleges started playing a pro style of NFL game. What the women, what the Canadian women were playing was a Tampa Bay Lightning type of style game um, that you've not seen before in women's hockey. Um, the Americans were also they, they play more of a of a puck possession style, and they were also missing Brianna Decker, who broke her ankle, um, and she was their top playmaking center. And not having her in the lineup also, I thought would be a detriment. And I think that really that injury that happened in the U.S.'s first game against Finland really cost, really really hurt the Americans' chances of getting the gold. Right. And I know you didn't cover the men's at all, but I know a lot of talk here was that Sabres prospect prospect Levi was Zerstringer never touched the ice, and Canada's men's team didn't fare well at all. So we were that was a big talking point here. Why make the kid go? You probably should have been starting. And Steve, what do you think it was because of the old school coaching? Was that the issue? I mean, that that would be my guess. I mean, personally, I didn't like that he was going if he wasn't going to play. But I kind of figured, you know, those tournaments, coaches usually favor favor the veterans. So for me, it's whatever. Yeah. I was under the impression he played the first game, didn't he? He didn't play a single second. He was always – He did not? Him. Okay. So that, that that's my bad. Maybe I was thinking of uh, Comesso, the uh, U.S. goalie, who's a Chicago prospect. But, um, yeah, I, I, I never I, – I did get to see the gold medal men's final, but um, – and and Finland beat – rallied back to beat Russia 2-1. to mm -hmm. one. And what was a really a, a well-played game, but um, I wish I would have had a chance to get over to the men's side to see Owen Power play. Um because Owen uh, power play. Owen yes. power. we're gonna play with that for his career. The power I, play. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. because I wanted to see up close how good he was. Never got a chance just because they were playing at a different rink. Uh, also wanted wanted a chance to talk to Levi, but didn't have a chance there. So um, that's that's one thing that you that, that I did miss because I was focusing on women's hockey, and my colleague Stephen Wino was focusing on men's hockey. Okay. I want to go ahead, Steve. You have something to say? Um, oh, man. Oh, it's, you know, Steve just had twins. So if he has to leave real quick, that's why. Oh, no, um, that was just, just my laptop telling me the battery's low, but I'll okay. take care of that in a minute. Um, well, you just had twins. I bet <laughs> your, your wife's sleeping. Your battery's got to be pretty low on sleep. But yeah. No. Congratulations, time. Steve. Well, th thank you. Um, You're yeah. So I like. I actually watched more more of the women's tournament than I did the men's. I I didn't watch a ton. I watched a couple games. I didn't like watch really more than a few minutes of the men's tournament. But um I just was wondering about the style of play, um if it's been different than other 
women's tournaments you might have seen because it noticed on TV it seemed to me like it was a lot more physical than I was expecting from the women's game. I saw a lot of contact that to me was like borderline could could have been called a body check, could have been whistled for a penalty. So I was just wondering if you had any, any thoughts of that at all. I did overall think it was a very good tournament from what I saw. But any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, my editor was wondering the same thing if it was getting, if it was more physical. Um, the body contact penalties weren't um, any different than what the because I, I actually looked four days into the into the tournament and four days in the the body contact and high sticking and you know um, body checking penalties and hits to the head penalties weren't much different from the 2018 games or the 2014 women's tournament through those four, four through that four game stretch four day first four day stretch so I do think the game has become more physical because I think they're playing a faster style of game. And, and I think they're playing a more mature style of game where I the, the refs are allowing them to get away with maybe a, a little bit more body contact. Um, but I, I think that really – I think that helped us, helps the sport. I thought the, 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 the play in which Brianna Decker was hurt, the Finland players should have been called for tripping because she slew, she slew footed her uh, Brianna Decker from behind. Mm. I thought that was a missed call. Um, but otherwise, I, I mean, I didn't mind a bit more of the physical style of play because I think that's, th th there's, they're not going to fight, but, um, but they're playing for their nations and they're playing mm. there's the intensity I did enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed that, especially as a tournament got deeper into the rounds because um, you could really sense the teams, the lesser teams, not Canada and the U.S., the teams that needed time to get up to speed had gotten up to speed, and we were seeing how good they could be. All right. We're about to take our station break, but when we come back, after Steve tells us what it's about, or John knows what our station break's about, before, when we come back, <laughs> I want to talk about um, Rick Jenneret, and I kept thinking about how he would bring up and a power play, just with power being on the team, I'm going to miss him not being able to make that call. But we're going to talk about Rick Jenneret a little bit. And I knew you grew up, uh, I don't know if you grew up, but you watched Bob Cole, who I thought was an outstanding announcer up there in Canada. So who wants to talk about our sponsor tonight? John and Mary's is one of them. If you want a chicken finger sub, my favorite is the Stinger. It's got chicken finger steak. Oh, my God, it's so good. John and Mary's is awesome to me. And our second sponsor is one of you. Dinosaur Barbecue. Oh, All right. Well, this. Mm, it's so good. What's your favorite, John? John, uh, John. What's your favorite at Dinosaur Barbecue? Well, I do. I, I mean, we, we do uh, go there every once in a while, and I, uh, I'm a big brisket fan, and I think their brisket's yeah. pretty good. All right. Well, hope you're not hungry. We'll be back in 17 seconds. Well, we're back. Maybe not fast. I'm just gonna start with that. Go. <laughs> I got to go. I'm hungry. All right. <laughs> so, well, that's actually our sponsors are again, John and Mary's and of course, Dinosaur Barbecue, where once a month I give away a $50 gift certificate to uh, Dinosaur Barbecue. And if you go to John and Mary's in Alden and tell them Ranting Ron sent you, they'll give you 10% off. All right. So uh, before we left, I was going to ask you, you know, you grew up in Canada. So you got famous Bob Cole, who I believe was the one who coined the phrase, two nothing is the most dangerous lead in hockey. Oh, dear. And Steve hates it because he doesn't understand the adage. And, of course, now and then we're right. Uh, but you, Steve, Steve, you think two nothing. Well, no, obviously one nothing is more dangerous. Two nothing, but it's an adage because, like, if a team's up two nothing, yeah, they will actually all takes one team to score that first goal and make it two one, and it's a whole different game that the momentum changes. One nothing, the team's always playing. I am going to look up someday. Does a team lose more often having a one nothing lead at point in the game or a two nothing lead at point in the game? I used to keep track of the two nothing leads. You'd be surprised how many teams came back to win. Uh, so I'll go with one nothing. I'll go with one nothing. More teams have overcome one nothing deficits. I will tell you right now that in 2011. Uh, the Florida Panthers were up, blew uh, ninety percent of the time. They blew a two nothing lead, and it was a story written by um, 
Joe Yurden, and I found this article, and he was doing all. He said, oh, "You'd be surprised." He's been on the show. You'd be surprised the number. And I, again, it was just a phrase. Two nothing is the most dangerously in hockey. And Steve hates it because it's not. I, I do hate it. I know, but it's just you know, he, Steve um, John. He's he's one of those newbie hockey fans. So what about uh, six of two? I'm kidding. <laughs> So you know Bob Cole, Rick Jenner, Rick Jenner, you heard some of the great calls. Um, what, what do you what do you think about Rick Jenner's career? I mean, real, honestly, you'd be less biased because you're not from here. What, what you know is he as great as we've always believed he is here? Is he the best ever? Well, I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I mean, best ever. That's that, that's so tough. But he's it's distinctive. Tough. I mean, his voice. When you hear his voice and you hear his calls, I mean, and this is even before I got to Buffalo. You knew who was who was calling the Sabres games. Um, I mean, the La 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 Fontaine, the May Day stuff. I mean, even I was living in Vancouver at the time, and I was still familiar with those calls because you saw the highlights, and they would play, you know, who the broadcaster was, his voice on the highlights, and you know, the whole Mama where the or Mama hides the you know leaves hides the cookies. You know, those are distinctive, and you knew you were watching a Sabres game or you're watching Sabres games highlights because of Rick. And, you know, he's he, the, the career that he's had, the honors that he's gained, um, the, just the, the things that people say about him are all, are all true because, I mean, this guy has been the voice of the Buffalo Sabres for so long. It's going to be hard. I mean, we've kind of been weaned off of Rick for, for you know, as he's, he's had, uh, he's called fewer and fewer games over the past few years. But it's going to be difficult not not hearing his voice, you know, over the course of an entire season. Um, but all the best to him. I mean, I mean, what he's done is, is is something that I think any broadcaster would 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 you know would hope to aspire to. Even half of what Rick Jenner's done is is what any broadcaster would hope to aspire to. Yeah, I grew up with Ted Darling, who to me is still the number one. Only because it was sure. my first. He was my first love, and he just had that voice, too. And he was just, you know, I grew up on him when he stopped. Of course, it was years later when I learned why he stopped uh, announcing. And then we went to the John Gertler. And, Steve, I don't know if you were around for John Gertler, but that was terrible to you. Sorry, John Gertler. It, just, it wasn't your thing. I should have said that. I never said it. Sorry. But to your John Gertler. But then all of a sudden they started, you know, J, RJ was always on the radio. But, of course, I always watched on TV. And then they did the simulcast. And you, I just think that, you know, a, a, if uh, he, you know, if there wasn't for Simon, if he only did radio only and they would just brought something else for TV, I just don't think he would be the guy like he is today. I think him being able to simulcast because when you listen to radio, if I'm driving somewhere, when, you know, and I'm listening to radio, he can describe it, 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 he describes it better than any, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, right. really like I'm there, you know, I feel like I, it's amazing, you know, where the ESPN guys are talking about what they had for dinner last night. Oh, and there's a goal. <laughs> And anyway, so, you know, and then, of course, you know, and it, it, it's just I can tune them out, you know. I think the, um, the new guy's doing quite well, though. Um, yeah, I like Dan. Dan Dan's a, a fine announcer, yeah. Yep. Dan Dunleavy's really good. I know Ted Dar – oh, no, was our, RJ's son was starting to – was going to do a little bit, but I think his problem was just trying to mimic his dad. But I know he's still in the business a little bit, so – but it, I mean, it, it, it's just such a distinctive voice, and he had a sense for the moment, um, which which all good broadcasters do. So I really appreciate that because, you know, as the play builds, as the scoring chance comes close, as you're listening to the radio, and, and, and I do, I grew up listening to baseball on the radio, and that's such a great radio sport for broadcasters, but I do appreciate hockey on the radio as well. And Rick could just build that tension in which, you know, you, you could hear it in his voice and the climax as it, as it happened, as the team, as the home team scored, um, you could really, he, he was, he was the right person at the right time to make those calls. Yeah. I, okay. It's safe to say he'd be on the Mount Rushmore of announcers. I, 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 you know, I used to listen to the Islander announcers uh, back in the 80s and that, um, can't think of his name there, the, eight, the 80s, early 80s. Um, I know Chico Russ was one of them. What was the guy? Uh, can't think of his name now. Uh, shoot. Um, I didn't realize there was a test I needed to study for. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's bad. Can I still remember these guys? But I know that there's uh, the guy from St. Louis is really good. Um, I want to say Hall, but I don't think it was Hall. Um uh, he, Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly 
was the St. Louis announcer. So there's been great announcers, and you know, you know, I mean, I feel we got lucky because we got RJ. For I, all I know, the Tampa Bay home announcer could be just as good. I don't know because I don't listen to them. You right. Know, so I really got to listen to Bob Cole when I was growing up, and um, and you know, and that stuff. I had Canadian TV. I don't get that now, but I did then. So well, it's just great. I personally, and people are getting. I mean, I personally still think that Doc Emmerich is a good announcer, is a very good announcer, and I, I thought he had a great sense of 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 the moment. And I thought when he was team paired up with John Davidson before John Davidson got into um, the NHL, you know, in, in the NHL front offices, I thought John Davidson might go down. To me, he's he's my favorite color broadcaster because um, he had he could anticipate things that no one else did. Uh, some of his calls as a as the color guy were phenomenal and i have always respected john davidson because he had a sense of the game and he was one of my favorite color broadcasters before he before he went into the nhl front office in columbus yeah ed westfall that's the guy i couldn't think of thank you gotcha. thank you google and he just had that voice yeah i i think um harry neal is a good color play what about you steve you know you've seen these guys who are your favorites um prior for the sabers the one that stands out to me is Harry Neal. Um, I remember some of Jim Lawrence, but not not really. Jim Lawrence was really cool. I, I, I wish I would have met. I've always wanted to tell him he was always wrong about one thing because whenever he talked about a Boston series in 1984, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute, not 84, 83 was that. It was the 94 series, 93 series. Let's see, we beat 93. It would have been 92. Whatever, it was right on that time frame. Before we swept them, uh, we lost. We played the Bruins. Um, might have been in 87, 88, whatever. They they beat us uh, four games to two. But, but Buffalo's down two games to none. We did tie the series. John Tucker scored four goals, and um, and Sabres won in overtime 6-5. It was John Tucker. But he always talked about um, the one goal John Tucker, he talked about, he goes, he got the four goals in the game. and No, that's right. It was 6-2 Buffalo, one for two. But he always talked about the four goals and how and he scored the overtime win. I'm like, he didn't score the overtime I always do, but you know what? He's got so much. He was that was the only thing. But otherwise, his mind was great. I mean, he was just great. He he just made it fun. It was a good tag team between them guys. You know, right? Rob Ray's got a ways to go a little bit. I I you know he tries. I, I don't know if he wants to be a little bit of a homer or not, but you know, he's all right. I don't mind him. But uh, no. so John, you you you've been all over the place. Tell us a couple of people. Who who's like your favorite hockey player of all time besides Wayne Gretzky? Favorite hockey player of all time. I don't know. That's wow. Um, a couple. Of, name a couple of your favorites. You got to maybe watch. You maybe got to to talk to. You know. Well, I, I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That I think it's a sin that Alex McGillney is not in the Hall of Fame. I, I covered him in Vancouver actually when he got traded for Michael Pekka, and he and I kind of hit it off right away. I got a sense of who he was, um, and he was somebody who didn't take wasn't big on small talk and you you needed to ask him challenging questions because he was that's what would get him going and he would actually provide some very smart answers i think alex mcgillney might might have been as talented as wayne gretzky but sometimes just didn't he needed to find the motivation or the inspiration to play at that level but i thought he was a very good player exceptionally good player, wound up being a very good defensive player at the end of his career and showed he could play an all-around game. Um, and the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame, I, I think, is a sin. I think that's a sin. That's one of the biggest sins. I, I would always say the same thing about Rick Martin not being in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Well, he should be because Eric Lindros is, and he had a better career than Eric Lindros. So it just – I've always been big about, you know, and I think Craig Ramsey's numbers should be retired. Steve doesn't believe in retired numbers, but Craig Ramsey's – Probably second longest tenure save or stuff like that, but yeah. Hey, Craig, Craig was in Beijing coaching Slovakia. Almost got them to the uh, yeah, almost got them to the gold medal game. Yeah, see, they were, yeah, wow, that's right. Is that who Canada lost here, right, Slovakia? I yes, I believe that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. And U.S. lost to uh, Sweden, I think. I don't know some. I don't, who won the men's gold? Uh, Finland. 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 Okay. I watched two periods of men's hockey, and that was the first Canada. And it was so late in the night. I get up at four in the morning for work. I couldn't, and I, I was I felt bad for myself not being able to do it. But 
It was just. Oh, uh, take that jersey off then. No, man. Take no, <laughs> it off. That team won. That team won. Hold on, I'm going to do this right here. I tell you though, if it, if it was NHL that's players, that would have been up. That that's the framed picture. Can you see? I know you got the thing. Oh, there. I can see it. Yep. Yeah, that's it. So um, I'm trying to get my. Yeah, but who did win? Who? But but can you tell me who they beat to win to, to win the gold medal? Yeah, they beat Finland. They had to come back. They were down two nothing in the game. They came back to win three to two. If they would have lost that game, Steve, what medal would they have won? Um, they beat Russia. On the Friday night, eight o'clock. Well, to me, it was eight o'clock. I, th- I think they, I think they changed it. Would it have been bronze or would it have been silver? How about it would have been none? And if they would, have lost, yes, they beat Russia on a Friday night, eight o'clock. It was really a replay game. I didn't know till like ten years later. I was watching the replay of the game. Oh, see, you didn't realize this, but in Canada, we got it live. I know. I didn't know that if I would change the channel five, I would have got to watch it live at five o'clock. But. You know, but back then, you know, America, they didn't know the difference between a blue line and a clothesline. So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like yeah. right there. But I, when it was, yes, they beat Russia. Uh, they, they tied Sweden 2-2, and then they beat Czechoslovakia 7-2. Um, and then they did beat Russia. After the week before, they got killed by Russia 9-3 in Madison Square Garden. And then they played uh, Finland, and they were down 2 nothing, and they won, I think, 4-2. They came back and won 4-2, I believe. And they won the gold medal. If they lost that game, they would have not have medaled, which I don't understand it at all. But that's what I – and, again, I'm 12 years old watching it. I find out a lot more later when the facts are out there. Right. Because I think it was a point system. That's what it was. I'm looking at this here. It was a point system. And Russia got all the points they needed except they lost us. Us losing them, they got there. Could we tie Sweden to open the Olympics? I've got it right here, 2-2. Two, two, that's correct. Yep, you two, have two. it right. Yep, my memory about that. Now, it does help. I watched, I did watch the movie Miracle a thousand times, but I still knew anyways. I didn't. Oh, is it the movie? Miracle? I don't think the point system's in the movie, Ron. No, no, no. I meant who he played. <laughs> um, here's the thing, too. Is Wait, who, who played Who played Wolf Paymont in that movie? Let me tell uh, Tell me that. Uh, tell me. And um, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. When they played when, in the movie Miracle, they didn't even talk about the Finland game winning goal. It was always about the Russians. And see, I, know. I don't know how much you understand, but it was it was a deal. It was a deal. Gas oh no, I, 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 I remember watching it. Was it was remarkable? It was it, that was a remarkable moment. Hey, what about let's talk about the Russians for a minute? When the Sabers beat them twelve to six, we all see if I heard of that. Uh, John twelve six here. The next night, Buffalo played in Montreal. And the Sabres were giving a standing ovation by the fans in Montreal. That, I don't know if you remember that, but I don't know if maybe you were at the game, but that had to be amazing for Montreal fans to do that for the Sabres who just clobbered the Soviets 12 to 6 the night before. Well, back then, I mean, that was what that, that was that the 76 series or 75? I can't remember. Or, uh, well, it was, uh, yeah, 1976. Yeah, it was shortly off the Summit series. Yeah. So there was still a, a bad feeling. In Canada, nervous and anxiousness it was in Canada. 75. I'm sorry, it was oh, 75. Right, but there was an anxiousness in Canada after Canada nearly lost to the Russians, and perhaps they should have lost to the Russians. Um, well, okay, the Canadian the Canadian players showed up overweight and and, and out of shape and lost uh, a number of games in Canada before they finally got in shape and decided to beat up beat up the Russians and play. Um, uh, more of a physical style, to put it politely, style of hockey to beat to beat the Russians, four games to three and one tie. So the Russians were an exceptionally good team, um, but I think in Montreal, I think there was still the sense coming off the Summit Series in '72 that anybody beating the Russians is our friend, um, and that's why they got the standing ovation. Yeah, it was just it was good. in fact I have this. I remember it was '75 because I have this still. From 1975, Sounds of the Sabres, the entire season when we went to the finals, and that's the team there. Yes, I have a lot of crap. Um, good crap. Right at hand. Readily at hand. That's that's that's, that's, that's impressive. It's great. Oh, I have – yeah, someday – Is there somebody, like, below you just pulling stuff out and just handing you things? <laughs> no. I do this. Um, I just I just make sure I'm prepared. I actually know what I'm going to talk about sometimes. But I love these, so we just go all over the board, um, you know. Um Nope, I got my whole collection of back there of stuff. 
Um, it's, I don't know if you can see. I used to be closer so you could see it better then, but uh, I got all my Star Wars stuff here. I got um, my toys over here. I got a lot of these. I'll show you one. I got Star Wars toys here. Never opened. This is the uh, Y-Wing, right? Nope, Snowspeeder, sorry. Uh, Steve, when you move to Buffalo, you'll get to see this stuff, man. I know you're a big Star Wars guy. I'm a big Star Wars guy, but yeah, hockey's a great sport. Um, you know, so who's the most famous person you ever met, John, sports-wise or not? Who's the most famous, exciting person you met uh, besides me? <laughs> oh, never mind. I mean, I've, I mean I, I've interviewed prime ministers. I've interviewed Wayne Gretzky. I was in the scrum with Tiger Woods. Um, I almost got in the middle of a fight. I was not in the mid. I was in the middle. I was in between the two cameramen. In Wayne Gretzky's, the last time Wayne Gretzky, the Wayne Gretzky's last hat trick was in Vancouver, and he capped it with uh, an empty net goal. And in the Rangers locker room, in the scrum, there's a whole bunch of people around him, and two New York City cameramen almost went at it in between us, and like, and I was kind of like caught in the middle of it. So that was um, interesting. I mean, I've covered Michael Jordan. Um, Michael you know, the best is Michael Jordan the best. The best. Well, I, I I think so. I think so because I, I, I covered him and I and I thought the, the game was a little bit more physical back in his day. But, you know, I there's so many things. I mean, I, I know people who might who, who can make the case for, you know, uh, magic. So and, and we're, we've not even gotten to LeBron yet. But um, I mean, yeah, I'm um, so Larry Bird. Well, Larry Bird, but but there was something about Magic Johnson and Michael yeah. Jordan. That, Larry Larry's back problems really um, hurt, limited what he limited his limited what he could do. Um, well, he was Larry, a versus Magic, Larry versus Magic in the late side. Come on, that that was like great. Well, I mean, but then you can bring in Oscar Robertson, and it's like I mean, I I, I just don't know, but I, I I think I think it really falls between Magic Johnson and, and and Michael Jordan. I like what LeBron's done, but in free agency at this time, I think he kind of cherry picked a few of a, a few of his his titles. Um, so I, I think that falls against him. Whereas Michael Jordan was on an all-star team, but he wasn't on an all-star team all the time. He had to he had to grow into find to becoming a champion, especially after some of the battles he had with the Detroit Pistons. So, right. and Magic well, Johnson, I mean, he was just good, exceptionally good throughout his entire career until AIDS sidelined him. Right. Uh, well, Jordan won three championships in a row, took three years out to play baseball. Chicago was nothing, came back, won three more. I mean, that's to me, pretty incredible. Um, you know, he might be up there, and I'm gonna hate saying this. He's right up there with Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady. Well, right. Tom, we haven't even mentioned Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I covered Tom Brady, 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 Brady. Tom Brady proved something though that I've said for years. It was because of him, not because of Belichick. And people no. say, "Oh, well, I think both." They say, "Ah, oh, Belichick no. never won nothing. He's had bad records all the time." It's always about the quarterback. Look at the team I will say, in Tampa. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. So, sorry, I'm just saying. Look at the team he had in Tampa. Tom has always had great talent, so I don't think that proves anything about the Belichick thing. He had no talent in New England, and he won Super Bowls. There was nothing on the New England. He leaves, but Belichick never in Cleveland. Garbage. He he is like a forty. He was sixty four and eighty four all time, whatever it was. His record is so far in five hundred without Tom Brady in the lineup of Jacobs, and that includes the season they went eleven and five without him when Castles played. So I always believe the quarterback's the reason. Okay, if we didn't have Josh Allen, if we uh, Tyrod, are we as good as we are? No, I mean I will always give the player the benefit of the doubt over a coach. Talent outweighs thinkers. That's it takes both. I mean, Marvin was a great coach here. He's not doing that with the other player. He never did it with Washington. He was just a good. He was like the father of that team. Coaching has a role. Talent wins first of all. That's my opinion. Well, I, and I, I agree with you to a point there, Ron. I I, I think Tom Brady's Tom Brady could. Could well be the greatest quarterback that that has ever played, and I, but I think it also his presence also reinforced in the debate Brady versus Belichick. I think the fact that you can never understate. I'm not sure if I said that right. You, it, it reveals the importance of a quarterback, a good quarterback, to being able to run the show. And I was going to mention just like you did, if Josh Allen was part, part if Josh Allen had got to Buffalo earlier and was groomed the right way as he was under McDermott 
and and Brandon Bean. And you really have to give them credit because they groomed him. And I think this is where coaching does come in because Brady was groomed to a certain degree by Belichick. Um, but if, if Josh Allen, to, to, to continue my point, if Josh Allen had arrived in Buffalo earlier, there wouldn't have been a 17-year drought, um, even though Tyrod Taylor is the one who, who who did end that drought. But I do think coaching, I, I, don't, I, I think it's difficult to understate, again, I'm not – I think Bill Belichick is is among the the smart smartest coaches I've ever seen, because I think Bill Belichick does not make the mistake in, in and I hate to bring this up, thirteen seconds happen, and I don't think that happens if Bill Belichick is on the sideline. No, no, we had it been the week before, so I know I'll never live that. That's up. That's up there. That was terrible. That was terrible. So I do have a final question. I'm going to ask you, but Steve, I haven't asked you ask a question. Steve, you get something out that's good because I have a really good question, Steve, and that it's going to bother Steve a lot, John. I promise. Go ahead, Steve. Ask your question. What do you want to know? Oh, I, I, I didn't. I'm yeah, prepared right? for a final question. Okay, um, well, I'll, 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 I'll ask the question of the ages. Our, okay, we take this is always the point when we talk about errors. Our hockey, if hockey players from the '80s. Like uh, Wayne, no. hold on, Wayne Gretzky, and um, would they be better today because of their their equipment and the skates and the sticks? Better than if Ovechkin and then went back and had to use the equipment they used back then and all the training. If you switch, would Ovechkin still be as great as he is back then as he is now? Would Gretzky be better or not as good now? It's tough to it, know. It, I know, but what's your opinion on that? We me see battle about this all the time. Well, no, and, 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 and I get that question. It's difficult comparing errors because the the, the goalies, you know, I mean, the, there was the – I mean, no, no, no. I mean we, we've had the dead ball era in, in, in baseball. We had the big goalie equipment era in hockey, which really limited um, – and, and the, the rules, the, there was all the – there was the left-wing lock and all, and all the clutching and grabbing. Um, I think – the players today, such a, and and you also keep in mind that back in the eighties, and I've talked to players, they weren't as in in as good as physical shape as the players are today. I do think if you place Ovechkin in Edmonton um, with the Oilers team with Messier and Gretzky, I I I think I think he's a great I, I, with any team actually. I think he's he he would dominate that league even more than what he's done now. Um, I think if you put players from this era into the 1980s era of the NHL, I think they they would have, their stats might be through the roof. Um, it's no secret that Wayne Gretzky and I did talk to I was in I was doing a feature on Sidney Crosby at the Memorial Cup in London, Ontario, in 2005, which was his draft year, and Wayne Gretzky happened to be there. I talked to Wayne, and it was a lead to my feature on on Sydney. Um, Wayne Gretzky believed that if there was one person who could break his records, it would be Sidney Crosby. Um, two bad concussions kind of took a toll on Sidney and delayed part of his career. But I think Sidney Crosby in, in playing in the 1980s may have challenged um, Wayne for, for some of the records that he set. Yeah, well, you could probably we say the same thing for Lemieux, too, because of his mm -hmm. injuries. I was surprised right. the other day. I, for some reason, just when he scored Sidney Crosby, his fifth 500 goal, I thought he was well beyond it already. I was like, wait, he's got 500 now? He's been right. I was shocked. I was actually shocked. So I, I just saw a graphic earlier today on Twitter. Um, so Crosby actually has the longest streak. I think it was 17 or 18. He's been in the league 18 years. 18 straight seasons with at least a point per game that he played in. Right. That, that, that's that's more than I think um, Lemieux and Gretzky were both at like 15. Like his longevity in the era he played where scoring through the early part of his career was down. The middle part, there was a season where um, he missed some games with injuries. He had like 84 yep. points and Jamie Benn led the scoring with 87 points. And even through all that, he's got the most seasons – in history with a point per game pace. I think that's just incredible. 
Imagine yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if you put if you put Crosby, I, I think like, or or even in the early '90s hockey, when when you know McGinley scored, what, what, it was it was '77, I want to say, and, and Lafontaine had two hundred and seventy-six. Seventy-six, sorry, and I mean, I, I think Crosby had had the potential if he was playing in that era to be a two hundred point guy. So and there's few and far between those guys that that, that, that can do that. But I, I do think that if you put them into that into that era, they score more because it was just more a more wide open game. Yeah, LaFontaine he had 156 points. I mean he had Brett Hall scoring 88 goals. Imagine getting a shootout in this goalie. I don't know if you can make it out that's uh Mike Palmatier. I should have uh yeah. because I wasn't proposing to talk about goalies but Man, look at those five holes, man. That's a dime. Ain't no well, five, a ten hole. You know, it's funny because um, I went to the winter class. Of the I think it was a centennial class. I don't know what it was, but they had Palmatier dressed up uh, and, and suited up for the um, for the for the Leafs um, senior team or like old age team or whatever because they did a scrimmage against uh, the Red Wings uh, in Toronto at, at, at the Canadian exhibition five years back and he was the one who told me how different it was back then where you would come to training camp to get into shape whereas now players if you but you slowly learn that the game was changing because the players who were in shape getting into training camp were starting to steal jobs but that's that's how it was back then and um you really have to i mean it's it's it just become a different game now today than it was back then. Imagine what these guys would be like if they were in shape to start the season, you know, back then. Yeah, not smoking cigarettes during intermissions and stuff and eating hot dogs. Like exactly. Yeah. Hey, Phil Russell still does that. Well, I will tell you this: there's there's a lot of hockey players that do like chicken wings and pizza when they, uh, you know, in the in the post game meal when they come to Buffalo. So, um, <laughs> yes, yes, sure it is. Uh, you apparently are the goat. Some we uh, Buffalo Sports uh, messages us saying you are the goat. Oh, so um, I I thought I was man. I, I don't, you know. Well, th- well, thank you very much. But no, uh, I, I I enjoyed this. I yeah, this was good. Yeah, um, you know uh, we you know numbers are gonna be good so I can see. I'm trying to get more questions. Oh, a couple questions come through, but I let didn't let them happen. Um, you know, but for the most part, no, it was, it was great. I just love talking old time hockey. See, you know, I'm only, I mean, I'm 53, so you know, I'm probably a little older than you, John, but uh, you know, I just, well, I, I'm glad you said that because you're not, but I'm glad you said that. All right, and then my kids will tell you there's no one older than me. In fact, I sit behind Jesus in the third grade, that's what they tell me. I, I'm like, no, John, I, I covered Gordy Howe's first game. I'm kidding. <laughs> Gordy Howe remembers you being at his first game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, no, it was great having you on. I, I, I love watching you on Twitter. Uh, Steve will tell you, I really don't, I don't argue with like people like you or Harrison or Hamilton. I don't, you know, I don't get blocked by the big wigs because I treat you guys with respect. You guys have a hard job to do. You have to deal with people like the Pagulas. And yeah, I stick up with the Pagulas a lot because yeah, I think you do. People, yeah, I know. Because I think people put too much pressure on owners. I'm about looking, they're looking for the right people to run their teams. And I do believe. Finding the right person sometimes takes a little bit of luck. And I think the NHL forced some, oh, no, you'll love Botter. Oh, no, you'll love uh, Murray. Oh, no, you know, Lafayette would be good for your team. I think they got pushed a little bit. Adams is the first time that they're – they almost said, he goes, no, we, we're not taking no help this time. We got our guy. And now we got I'm going to disagree with you there, Ron. I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I, I think if the Bagulas – uh, with all due respect, I think if they took the same approach in allowing what McDermott and Bean have done mm-hmm. with the Bills, if they took the same approach with the Sabres, I think things would be uh, would not be as um, there'd be not not as much upheaval. Um, I think patience, patience, and impatience have played key roles in the trajectories of both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they've done that now. I think they backed out. Steve made a great point. Well, they have no choice. Yeah. What? Right. They have no choice. Right. Steve made a great point, though, uh, about two weeks ago, which I never gave thought about. Steve, you want to repeat what you said about the Pagulas, Terry? Oh, I, th- I think I've brought this up before. I think someone else has alluded to it that, like, you know, a lot, a lot of Sabres fans, like, over the years, see how the Bills have been doing and are like, oh, well, I, I wish they cared as much about the Sabres as they do the Bills. I, w- I, I wish, I wish, I wish they – you know, they love the Bills because the Bills make them money, all, all that stuff. I think part of the problem is that Terry 
cares more about the Sabres. That's, that, that's the correct point. That's the yeah. correct point. And it's yeah. so it's harder for him to let go because he, he he's a hockey guy. He doesn't see him. He likes the Bills, but he doesn't see himself as a football guy. He's oh, he's a big football hockey. guy. No, he's a big football guy. But but uh, no, he he loves football. But but hockey is something that is 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 his passion. That that's the game he grew up. That that that's what he loves. Well, two summers ago, Cherry was here or wherever. He was with uh, uh, Adams. Uh, my uncle Butter was still here. It was right after he was following. He was going to like the kids' camps. He want he was here. He could be anywhere in the world, building a yacht somewhere. No, he was here in Buffalo. He wanted to see the kids. So yeah, and I never thought about it before. But I, I again, do I know one hundred percent? I I agree with Steve, but really, guys, when you love so much, you want to like you feel you could have the you know. Like, I love my kids so much that I, I feel I, you know, like that type of thing. Like, these are his kids, and, you know, he's got to back up and say, wait, I'm going to hire you to, you know, just like he did with Bean. And people say, oh, he got lucky with Bean. And, well, yeah, hiring is luck sometimes. You never really know. It, it, it's a lot of luck involved. Lindy Ruff, who thought him being here for 14 years? So I hope that they turn it around because this is a hockey city, 100%. Fans will be back. Um, I believe that. We always come back. I'm going on Sunday, actually, versus the Kings. My son bought me tickets for 100-bowl-level tickets. We're going to see the Kings at 1 o'clock. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, working kid now. I mean, I'll get by the tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I'm I, I'm a hockey guy. If I had a choice between a cup or a Super Bowl, I mean, people call me crazy. You know, Super Bowl's a, or football's a bigger sport. It doesn't matter. It's what I like. I love football. I'm a high diehard Bills fan. I would rather take a Stanley Cup every day of the week. And that's just me personally. You know, and that's, that's fair. I just think that it's a harder thing to win. Um, and you know, and I had no problem with the goal Dallas scored against us because I believe it was a good goal, but you know, I who knows no, 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 for, no, no, for a different day. John, any questions for us? <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm good. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I yeah. love you guys, you and all the other guys out there. You guys have a real hard job to do. You know, and you guys are through reminders, and you just got to follow the story. And now we're going to have a new stadium in Buffalo. It's going to grass field. It's not, you know, I think I'm glad. I'm just very glad. Just, I think they did it right with the stadium. I think so. They'll be here for a long time. I hope they don't sell. Sorry, Steve. I hope the Ghouls don't sell the Sabres. If they sell Porson, fine. They're not going to sell the Sabres. No, I know. The Suedos own 15%. Um, you know, Larry Quinn. Oh, I'm not supposed to say his name. I hate that guy. Sorry, I do not like that guy too much. Larry Quinn owns like 10%. So no one ever owns. It's, Nashville has 14 owners, okay? I like the Big Blue staying here because I believe this team will always be here as they all own the Sabres. And, you know, there's no saying once Batman's gone and the owner ever swooped in, they can move them. Batman's why they're here. I, you know, so I don't have a problem with Batman either. I like all the bad guys, apparently. I like referees. Steve, sorry. <laughs> but I rough for a lot of times, so. All right, John, thank you so much for coming on. It was great having you. Um, you know, maybe you'll come on again sometime. Uh, it was it was really maybe we'll do a round table someday, you know, um, get a couple of different guys out, a couple of you on here at the same time. It was just I love talking hockey. I can talk hockey 24-7. It's 30 minutes show in 52 minutes. Thank you for going along. I think it was great. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, sir. Everybody, this has been the Ranting Cast. We'll be back on Monday night, me and Frank, and we'll be talking about why the Sabres attendance will get better and why the border is the problem. Everybody, the Ranting Cast with John Worrell, my buddy Steve. See you next week. <laughs>